sort of. I, I, I love the... I love that idea and playing with that. And I also love letting kids explore history through interesting POVs. And I'll give you a specific example. So we did uh, this last year. I had students, they had to research um, pretty much anything, but a lot of them, you know, had researched some history stuff or whatever. But I, one of the requirements that I had them is to write about it from a unique POV. And what we designed that as is like one of my students, she wrote about, um, you know, kind of dark, but she wrote about the the Parkland shooting, but she wrote about it from the, the specific example of the school. So the school was witnessing this happening and the school had regrets about letting its doors open to the person who came in and why, and the school grappled with why couldn't I protect them and stuff. And it was this really nuanced and high level thought process, but it was, I mean, you can do this. I mean, you're studying the revolution. I mean, think about all of the different rooms where it happened, right? Not Hamilton reference, but you know, like or, or things like that, or the the pens, you know, the writing utensils that that certain people use, and and what would that be like? Or Ooh. and go ahead, Ochoa. No, you said that I was like, man, can you imagine pinning the Declaration of Independence? What yeah. that pen had to say, and yeah. but so allowing that that flexibility to where students, because in in my head, that's where a lot of the 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 connection to history can really come to life for some of them is is giving them a unique way to to play with it and I have to give a shout out to I don't remember the teacher's name but it was a it was a professional development um, in our district Ocho it was one of my first years when I was a social studies teacher um, and I sat in this professional development and he showed us a picture and it was outside of um, a gas chamber in Auschwitz but there was a, a there was a a wheelbarrow of some sort on the outside. Mm -hmm. And he goes, and he was talking about all of the different POVs that you could write from. And he goes, what about the wheelbarrow? He goes, imagine the stories that that wheelbarrow has to tell. And that's another dark example, but it's, the point is, is, Showing them and then allowing them to do that because if a kid can really get into that mindset and bring that context to a poem, to a story that they're writing, to a nonfiction piece, whatever that they're trying to do, um, then all of a sudden they have such a deeper understanding of something that can really be hard for a lot of kids to grasp, you know, to understand, you know, the why it's significant that our, our country went through a lot of the changes that we did. And I think that, but that just think of the a skill that they're taking from reading, writing, synthesizing, and history all into that. I think, I think if, uh, you know, over the course of a year, if you could even get into that realm, I think you're, you're rocking it. I think kids would really grow. Yeah. Well, I mean, even helping to develop empathy as people that, you know, considering another point of view, even if it's a wheelbarrow or whatever, like just coming out of, out of ourselves, Right. Cause I think a lot of us and, and kids and, we're so focused on us so many times that it, it's hard sometimes to even realize that there are other perspectives and points of view that, you know, do we even think about there's another side. There's there's more to the story. There are many stories. Um, I love that. But I think that's what I'll do then with the social studies. Um, or that's a good a good strategy to integrate it with the writing. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh-huh. And then they get, that's bringing in reading too, where you're talking about point of view and, and all that stuff. So, um, and then authors craft, like what, what is your purpose in writing from that point of view? What are you trying to get your 
what reaction are you getting from your reader? What do you want them to see, to experience from by t- writing from the wheelbarrow's perspective? Like that is so powerful. Yeah. I mean, we um, did, I did another version of this um, when I was setting this lesson up. I, I We may have talked to this about the podcast, so I'm not 100% sure. But I, uh, I showed a picture of like, I had like like four different sets of pictures or four different images, and on each one, I asked students to talk about all the different POVs that you could write about. Like I had one, it was like some animated picture, but it was like a couple kissing, but it was like at night and the stars and stuff. But there was also like, uh, you know, there were there's some various other elements, and so all of the things, right? They could have picked the stars, the moon, the concrete, the people, obviously. And then I did one of like a landfill with all this trash, and I had kids by that point after watching a few or seeing a few images by the time we got there and I was starting to challenge them to find different POVs, how many unique ones they could find. Kids were like, well, what about what's under the trash? So they started thinking like beyond what they could actually see. Or what about the, the, the air? What does this air feel like? What does that smell like? You know? And it was, it was such a cool, uh, perspective to, to, force kids into, but we were, what were we doing? We were talking about point of view. We were talking about, uh, we were synthesizing information. We were drawing personal connections and then flexing our creative muscle and going, okay, so what are, what does it mean to be in this situation? And like you said, pulling this out of kids, this is what we want from them. We want them to not just think whatever their first thought is. We want them to be able to look at complex situations, even if they disagree and be able to have empathy and be able to understand someone. Uh, and then, I mean, once you're like this, is like the the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, once you're getting to that level of a lesson and kids are interacting that way, regardless of it's English um, or social studies, I mean that is that is the heart of what I think workshop can do, really. So I think it's I think it's awesome. I think I think it's a really cool idea. Did you just use heart <laughs> I, I did. in your description? Miracles. Oh. That was one something I said years ago. Surprise, he remembered it. Oh, lost, but that's okay. <laughs> it's an inside joke. That was one of one of the first. One, what was it, Jacob? One of the first uh, uh, workshops you went. That was mine, and I said that's the heart of the workshop. And you made fun of me for years, and now I just heard you say it. Oh, yeah, you cut full circle. That's right. Well, to be fair, I made fun oh, of her for saying fair. it because it was about something specific. And she goes, without it, you'll die. So she left that line out just now. <laughs> I did say that. That was She was being snarky is why it's a hilarious line. <laughs> anyway, all right, what what else we got today? Okay, so what yeah, else? I digress. Um, let me look at my, I have all these notes here. So there's a, how, how long have we been on here? Just curious uh we are at about 50 minutes but you're good wow yeah time flies doesn't it it totally it always i think we're in a like a time warp (laughs) i'm just like every already time to go back to school um okay so i'm just looking for through these because i want to i want to hit like what i'm really okay one thing jacob you talk about your note-taking app that you do on your ipad what is that app again? Is it Notability? What yes, it? Notability. Yeah. And I, the coolest thing about it, I was I was using it to uh, this last week in my first week as an AP. Actually, I have I've set it up for that. Um, but it's I still have every I have every conference I've ever done since having it. They're just archived, so I have all of this these notes and stuff. It is literally the coolest app ever. It's like I think it's like ten or fifteen bucks, but it's it's entirely worth it. Okay, and it's. 
you just you can write and take pictures and do all that with this app. Yeah. Is so do what? Keep up with all your conference notes because that's another thing. I have notes everywhere. I need yes. a way to kind of streamline and keep everything together. Is that I, something you guys would recommend? Yes, I, I will die on this hill forever in here. Let me sell it to you, okay? So it is <laughs> – I need to work for Notability because I talk about it all the time. But they – so this is how I set it up. I'm going to tell you. So when you open up the app, it has, it has like folders and like subdividers essentially. And so what I do is when I get my class list is I immediately put block, like block one, block two, block three, and then I put all of my students in. That's like the most work that it takes. And you can drag and drop. So if a kid changes a schedule or whatever, you can just move them around. I know that's more that's more of a middle school thing when they change periods or whatever. But um, so I can just move them, and it takes all of their folders with them. But once I have all the kids in there, it'll literally right next to their name. Every time I take a note, it will put a number. So it just keeps ticking up. So I can tell by the end of the first week, the second week, the third week, how many kids I've conferenced with. Mm-hmm. Uh, in order. Now, every time I sit down with a kid, I don't always take notes, but I try, like, I don't take like detailed notes, but I'll still make another note in their file. That way I know that I sat with them. Right. And it might be something like I checked them with on their book or I sat with them. They were busy writing, so I didn't bother them too much, but I do that for myself because I don't ever, you know, there's always the kids that kind of slip our minds. They're quiet. They're the hard workers. You know, we spend so much time dealing with the kids that <laughs> need so much attention from us. And so it, it keeps me in check because it allows me to not just give attention to those kids that take so much from teachers and really be like, okay, well, I've talked to him 70 times in the last two weeks. I'm going to go talk to this person over here. Um, but yeah, so what it does is when you take a note, it just, it almost makes like a new document kind of. And on that, uh, with my iPad and you can do it with pretty much anything, but I can, you, you don't have to use the Apple pencil. I do that because I find that if you're typing next to a kid, it almost feels like an evaluation, you know what I mean? And it's, it's just a little less now. I don't, if you train them the right way, I imagine it wouldn't, but I use the Apple pencil just cause it feels more natural. And so I just sit there and I take notes. And then if they're writing something that I really enjoy, I'm like, Oh, can I take a picture of that? And I just take a picture and I put it there. And that way it kind of, I can track their progress over time. It also, um, because we don't, or I at least never write on their pieces. Um, if I want to show them something, uh, or I will let them, I'll take a picture and then I'll show them what I'm doing on mine and they can mimic what they're doing. So it allows me to write on their piece on my iPad, but not directly on their paper, which is super cool. I've used it for, um, grammar. So what I'll do is I'll take a picture. Like if a kid has no periods, I'll take a picture of it and then I'll hand it to them because you can also highlight with it. And I'll be like, all right, highlight where you think your first sentence is. And I'll let them use my iPad and basically create their, outline um, with these highlights. And so it gets them engaged. It's a fun way to do grammar. That's not so restrictive, so to speak. Uh, but it ha- it literally has so many applications. There's also uh, a recording button that if you want to, uh, if you need to listen to a kid read something out loud, you can actually hit record. And so their file will stay there. Or if you want them to perform a poem out loud, just to see how they're reading it, to see what they're doing, um, you can do that as well. I mean, it really, there's so many things you can do with this thing. It's, it's, it's so versatile. And like I said, the biggest setup is just getting your classes in and getting your students in. But after that, it's really pretty much self-explanatory. 
You just click on the student's name and it'll open up their folder. Yep. It's it's and instant. Boom, add. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. And it, you can also, you can connect it to your uh, Google Drive if you use one. Um, and that way the backups go there. So you can access those if you don't have your iPad next to you or whatever. And it can be on, it doesn't have to be on your iPad. It can be on your phone. Um, it can be on pretty much anything you have. I love that. I love it. I, I, I use it all the time still to this yeah, day. I'm not a technology person at all. I'm very old school. So I've been trying to write down everything and it's just, it's, chaotic and I don't know where my notes are and there's too much to keep up with. So I'm going to, I'm going to try to make that change. And that's how I've also, I've made comments about like how many conferences I've had in like a week or something. It's because I can actually see those numbers. So like, it'll be, I can literally say I had this many conferences this month and it's cool because I'll see, sometimes I'll see myself lagging. Like, it'll be like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not conferring as much as I usually do. Or I haven't, you know, it's been two months since I conferred with this student or something. So it's almost like a, as, as much as it's useful, it also holds me accountable for what I believe is really one of the most important things, which is sitting down with students and you know talk about their reading and writing absolutely yeah i love that um so i think kind of maybe a way to kind of start to wrap it up um that kind of goes along with this you know conferring and taking notes um monitoring progress within that app i guess or however um people whatever system works um for monitoring students and, and growth and all that with their actual work. What about grading, grading, writing? And I know y'all get this all the time. Um, we expect it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, you know, okay. We have rubrics and, and, you know, don't take the cart home with everything. Um, usually what I do, what I found to be helpful for my writing grades, you know, I'll do a process grade and then the publish publication grade, whatever the, um, their published piece, but both of those, I mean, the published piece, they can, you know, do it in Google drive and there's a rubric to grade it. So I don't have to take anything home necessarily, but with their process, um, you know, that's quite a, a lot of work that's kind of built up over time. So I guess my question for grading is one, how do, do you use a rubric with your published pieces? And it's just from the Google document, you're checking, okay, so you don't have to take anything home, okay? And then right. if you do the process, would you have them, because what my students do, they'll put, you know, their planning, their, their brainstorming planning, whatever. I know it's in your craft book, no, draft book in junior high, but I'll have them put stuff in a in a folder, and they'll leave the folder with me. So I'm only taking home, you know. 60 folders, but it's still so much. So do you guys have any tips for that? Like for grading things other than just the published piece more, like if you want to grade the process. Go ahead, Ochoa. All right. Well, um, what I do now is different than what I used to do. So let me tell you what I used to do. And I would have, they would open up their notebooks and I'm like, okay, I'm walking around for a grade today. I'm grading, uh, whatever. And so I would tell them I'm grading for, uh, we do, you know, like peer editing, for example, that would be one I'm grading to see if you've got your peer editing sheet should be in your craft book, open it up to, 
you know, the day that we did that, whatever, mini lesson number 30, whatever it was. <clears throat> anyway, and so then I'll walk around and I would have a uh, a stamp of some sort, but not one that they had access. Now, in, in, uh, you know, in high school, uh, kids were kind of crafty about those, you know, little stamps. But uh, I, I had a date stamp, and so I would stamp it with my date stamp. And so I would stamp their work, or I'd put a sticker on it. I would do different things like that. And then, but what I would do is I would grade everybody, like in my grade book, they all have a 100 for this. When I go around and I see that Jacob only did 70% of what I asked him to do, then I would write a 70 for that, which he would, he always does a hundred. I'm the 70 percenter. But anyway, so then, uh, but I would go around. And so I ended up only having to grade just a few of them that way. And I would grade them as I'm walking around and, and then I would talk, stop and talk to them in conference. So I would let them know I'm coming around and this time I will be taking a grade for these pages. And I would let them know what I'm looking at. It might be one, might be two, just depending. And then they show it to me and then they talk to me about it. And then they have a 100 if I, if they've done everything I've asked, if it's a daily grade, but I, so they all have a 100 and then all I do is take the few away that, that didn't. And that's how I did it before technology. After technology, uh, we have canvas. So my, my kids take a picture of their of their work and they submit it to canvas and I don't take anything home. I don't touch the papers hardly anymore. And I do all the grading through canvas. I have a question with that. Cause we also use canvas mm-hmm. and I tried to do that when we were KVA or uh, online and it was difficult um, because their pictures, I couldn't read or see what they had. Right. You kind of, uh, I make them retake. I make them redo their pictures okay. until I can see it. And then after a while, they they get tired of me asking that, so they just make sure it's good. Because <laughs> I I was like, oh, I'll call them up. And that might be a conference. You know, I need you to redo this right now. And so I, you know, that's what I do. Or if I can't see it, I'll say, uh, Courtney, I, I need to go ahead and see that page in your notebook. Bring okay. it up to me, and then I look at it right then. And so then I'll add the grade. But most of the time, you can read. Do what? You have to really stay on top of your grading so you would know like tonight so that tomorrow I could say, hey, I need to see that instead of two weeks. Yeah. Because that's yeah. the problem is getting behind there so much and then it's too late. Right. And and, and you tough. almost, yeah, I just kind of try to to go do it as I go mm-hmm. uh, to the best of my ability. And that's why, that's why when I go around and they already have that 100, like it, everybody has a 100 unless you didn't do it. And that's what I tell them. We all start out with a 100. It's only if you choose not to do it, do you start going down in your grade? Right. Start out with a 100. I mean, because I'm going to assume that you're going to do the work because you're going to love it. That's yeah. what we do here. And so that's kind of how my attitude is. And so when I walk around and I go, ah, you didn't get that done. All right. I tell you what, I'll give you till tomorrow. I will be back. And then I make sure I I might, you know, like in your notability or whatever, I would write that note and I'd make sure I come back and then look at it. So that's kind of what I do. Um, And I always, I always typically give them a chance to make it up uh, if they messed up, you know, but that's just me. You take Uh, points off if they don't have it when you're grading it, but you still give them a chance or you. I I used to, I've, I've loosened, I'm old now, so I don't care. I, I loosen up. 
But part of the thing is, part of the thing is we have all this eligibility at our, you know, for um, UIL, you know, for them to play sports. So our population does better if they can stay in the sport. So I try to do whatever I can to keep them eligible. So I, I'm not after, I'm, you know, sometimes I do need it turned in. They need to learn that lesson. I just don't make that my main lesson. My main lesson is I want to know if they can actually edit their papers or can they actually revise their papers. So if they didn't get it done that first day, maybe it's because I didn't explain it right. So now I need to sit down with a conference. Why did you not get it? You know, right now you've got this 60 or whatever it was, but I tell you what, I'll let you make it up. Uh, tell me what you did. What, what's wrong? What's hanging you up on this? Right. And a lot of times it could be with our population. It could be Miss Ochoa. I was in the ho- I was in the hospital with my mom last night because I had to watch the babies while she took care of uh, you know the littlest one because he was running a fever, and so I had to sit with them all night. And the, I mean, I have those are the types of kids that. We have a lot of that. So I'm like, okay, well, then I, I tell you what, how many days do you need? How about two? I, I I can't go past three. So will two be okay with you? And I negotiate with my kids. Now, at the younger level, you might need another, uh, you know, more of a goal of getting it turned in a certain time. Mm-hmm. So I would stay to my uh, district mandates for those types of things. Right. Mm-hmm. I uh, I shared a document with you, Courtney, in the chat. I see that. What what is this? So this is what I do to uh, assess student writing, okay? And it does a little bit of both. And I change this almost over the course of the year, but this is a a basic version. So um, if you look at it, at the bottom, there's a student side and a teacher side. Can I ask a question really quick? If I click on that right now, are y'all going to go away? Uh, No, it shouldn't. It'll just bring it up in Google Docs. But I'll still see you guys. I'll still be here. I'm not a yeah. technology person. No, you're, you, You'll it, be able to move it. Yeah. Okay, let me see. See if it'll open for oh, you. Oh, yeah. Okay, it worked. Okay, right. awesome. Is this where you asked, like, what um, what mini lessons were used and what are you – Yes. Top? I did this this year. It was did a you? reflection. But this is actually your assessment. Okay. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's, it's reflection and assessment. So what happens is if they finish their piece, right – uh, they grab one of these, um, and I've done it digital because of COVID. I like it in paper too, but they grab one and they answer those questions, which for people who are listening and not seeing this, it's, you know, what are you most proud of in this piece? What are you, what was your purpose for writing this piece and who's your ideal audience for it? What mini lesson and or model text did you use? That is me trying to see if they're using what we're teaching. Uh, number four is, is there anything else you'd like me to know? Sometimes there is, sometimes there's a really personal reason for why they wrote something. And then at the bottom, they have, there's a student and a teacher side. They have to fill out their side before I sit with them. And so they have to rank themselves on a scale of one to four, one being the worst, four being the best on how well they used our mini lessons or model text, their purpose for writing the piece, grammar and genre conventions um, and structures. And I say not just grammar specifically, because, you know, if they're writing, uh, if they're writing, um, you know, a poem, their grammar is going to be different than if they're writing a, you know, analytical essay or something. Um, and then lastly, evidence of the writing process. Now that is me seeing them write in their draft books to where, so if I have a kid who just all of a sudden has a piece published and I didn't really 
conference with them or I didn't really see, I'll often go, okay, so open up your draft book. Show me the work that you did, right? Because I'm making sure that they're going through the writing process and not just turning in first drafts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what that is. But what happens, though, is they rank themselves, and then I sit with them, and I let them tell me their grade, essentially. Uh, and we have a discussion about whether I agree or not. And if I disagree, um, we'll have a conversation. So what usually happens, people are sometimes afraid to use this at first because, like, well, kids are just going to give themselves hundreds. Yeah, there's one or two that try to do that um, at first. But honestly, what happens is they rank themselves lower. Yeah, that's true. And so you get to spend time going, you know what you really did? Not only did you use this mini lesson, you use this one and this one, right? Because I'm sitting there with my craft book too. And we're going through these and going, oh, you really, you like, you knocked it out. And so I'll honestly, I'll raise their grade often. And the way this translates to number grades is every number missed is five points. So let's say their mini lesson, they only get a three. So now the max they can have is a 95. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So if they make all threes, that's 5, 10, 15, 20 points taken off of their final grade. So it'll, it can't really go down to a zero, and it's not designed to. And what I tell them is if you don't get the grade that you want, let's say they make a 60 on the first piece they turn in, I tell them they can do this over and over again with new pieces until they get hundreds if they want, if they, if they were really writing that much. Um, and so what I'll do, so this is like my assessment grade. Okay. This would be that final piece. Now, the way I get grades leading up to that is like once a week, I'll go, all right, I'm going to take progress grades today. And so I'll put it in the grade book and I just walk around and I do progress checks on everyone because at the beginning of the year, we have a little contract that says, you know, if they're writing every, if they're writing regularly, it's it's not out of the question at middle school to write, you know, between two and four pages of writing. Now, it might not be full pages. It might be like start of a poem, ideas here, ideas here. But I should see them making steady progress. And so we have those conversations about once a week. And that's how I get the daily grade for their writing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like a quick check. Um where you're walking around kind of like what Pam was talking about and just kind of checking off. You're starting with a hundred. Let me see it. And then it's sort of like a, um, almost like a completion grade throughout yeah. the process. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, and it might be like, I've done times where it's more specific, right? A lot of the times it's like just making sure they're making progress. But if we're, you know, in fifth grade, you might have like really be focusing on revision for something. Then that might be what you're looking for. Hey, I'm walking around. We're going to do a quick revision check. You can call them up to you if you want, but then you just walk around and that's what specifically you're looking for. Uh, and you can tell them in advance, be like, Hey, we're working on revision today. Really hard. I love it guys. Tomorrow. The first thing I'm doing is I'm going to walk around and I'm going to check to make sure that we're all where we need to be. And so that would be your daily grade. And it takes five minutes, maybe depending on what's going down. You just jot your grades down real quick. It goes in the grade book. Then you're good to go. And it's, and it's just kind of that. And it can be as specific as you want. It's really just up to you on what you're comfortable with, what you feel like represents your kids. I'm pretty loose in my dailies. Um, if you're making writing progress and because I'm conferencing with them so much, I know that they are or not. And so it's pretty straightforward. It's, it's really, you're only losing points if you have spent, you know, just several days really not doing anything, which happens from time to time. So do you, do you only use this, um, for assessing the, the published piece or do you still have some sort of rubric that you're kind of 
up against? Uh, no. It's, well, I really started moving away from rubrics because I wasn't getting the results I wanted. I don't really have anything against them. I feel like rubrics for the way I was running my workshop, I felt like they limited student writing too much because this one, if I'm, because here's the thing, if I'm doing, uh, if we're, if I'm trying to get them to write, um, let's say a, a nonfiction article, right? Just an informational article of some sort. Uh, I, my mini lessons and my model text are going to be there for them already. And I'm going to have those conversations like, Oh, this one is a great model. This one's a great model. This one's a great model. So you have three in your toolbox, I want you to pick it. So that becomes almost their rubric. And so if they turn in something that doesn't have any subheadings, it doesn't have any dividers, it doesn't have any pictures, and that's what our model text had in our mini lessons, then that becomes that it's almost like creating a rubric. So when we sit down and if it doesn't look like the pieces we've been reading, then their grade on that model text and mini lesson section of that uh, sheet, it'll, it'll go down. So it's it's almost like its own rubric. The rubric to me is whatever model I'm showing them and what they're writing should resemble whatever models we're using. Right. And we set that together because you, when you're going over this in your mini lesson, you'll talk about, you know, oh, all of these informational pieces have subheadings. That's awesome. Maybe we should incorporate that into right. our writing. And that could be an anchor chart if you're an anchor chart teacher too. Be like, here's all the elements. This is what should be, or these what can be in. Maybe because I would leave it open too. Because not every informational piece has a graph. Maybe theirs needs one. Maybe it only needs two subheadings and not three. So you can kind of be flexible with that. But whatever we're using is technically the rubric. I like that. It's also um, helping them to decide like author's purpose. Well, it depends on my purpose, what I'm writing, what I'm going to use instead of just following some checklist rubric. And I have to have all this in that I'm just trying to shove all these, you know, pieces in that maybe aren't anywhere where the, you would be thinking as if you were really just writing this. Well, and when you're conferring with them too, you know, if they are struggling with subheadings and you know, you could, that could be a wonderful point to be like, you know what? I think if you put a divider here, it would really help clarify for the reader. Cause when I'm reading, I'm getting lost between these two paragraphs because you're kind of switching your topic a little bit. Um, and you can, you know, as you know, your standards, so uh, whatever standard you're on, if there's specific things that you need to have in there to be, you know, teaching that, then you would just, that would be one of the things that's like, whatever your non-negotiable is, right? And you don't need five subheadings, but you need a subheading, right? You don't need a hundred pictures. You need a picture, depending on whatever your standard's asking for. And so you can, that's where those limitations come from. Um, but it's still your, they have ultimate freedom on structure, how to do it. And they're obviously working with you. So as kids learn this, now they're going through the actual process and it'll stick a lot more versus they just followed this, this list and had everything in there for your 100 on the rubric. Right. Right. And the thing about rubrics and I'm not against them, I actually use them some, but, um, the thing about that rubric is they can meet all the qualifications and not wow you. Right. I mean, they can have their subheading, they can have their, you know, their mechanical writing. They can do the first, second, third, last and create their little hamburger, whatever it is you have them do. And and the thing is, 
at the end of it, they got a 100 because guess what? They did everything on that rubric. But the thing is, it's is it really authentic, substantial writing? Is it something that wows the reader? You know, mm-hmm. is it something the reader can be engaged in? So, um, so I think there may be something to what Jacob is saying there. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the dilemma I've had because they get this checklist first, so they know what needs to be in it. And then I use yeah. the checklist they graded themselves on to grade them, and it puts them in a box. Um, so even yeah, if I could check all these, you have this, but it's it's not a quality piece because they weren't really invested in it. They were just trying to put all these things in their writing, not really having a purpose or understanding why. There was no author's craft or author's purpose involved other than, mm-hmm. oh, it's on this list, so I have to put it in my writing. And I, I'm right. really trying to get away from that. I, I don't, even if that's something we're supposed to do, have this checklist, I... To me, that's not authentic unless they want, like, you can have this, but you don't have to. It depends on your purpose, you know? Um, Right. Well, and then that checklist you're talking about could be a scaffold and something that you remove as you move through the year. That's true. Maybe starting with it and then kind of taking, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or they could, you could apply it to those model texts that Jacob's talking about. Mm -hmm. So they're not, not applying it to their writing, but they are applying it to, the other writing and then they can talk about well did they meet all the boxes is it more than that or less than that you know so you could actually talk to them and have them grade some um you know other types of writing that are that's not a part of the classroom yeah that's good that's fun mm-hmm. great something using the checklist to see yeah and then what and then ask them what do you what do you how do you want to be graded mm-hmm. you know sometimes you know you can let them do that once in a while it's whatever. But I, I would just do what's mostly comfortable for you, Courtney, and what makes sense to you. And that's within the parameters, but yet pushes the envelope. Jacob pushes the envelope. I stay a little bit within it. And then I'll push it when nobody's watching. <laughs> Not really. I just well, maybe I do. Never mind. <laughs> I think we're all pushing it like we, we we're trying to. To help our kids, yet yeah, there's these other mandates and things that we're supposed to do that don't make sense. Mm-hmm. But that, that doesn't make sense. There's, it's not helping. So um, I think, you know, especially, Jacob, you're going to, into the, the big world now as a, you know administrator. And, and you know this, being a teacher, that, you know, when, when teachers have um, passion and they have their own style and things to 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 really empower teachers to teach that's what's going to help the kids not trying to put us in a box um and you know that's what you guys do so well on the show is y'all are so authentic and um your your desire to help and build a community has been so so helpful for me during a very difficult time um you know the last two years have been rough so i have a lot of hope going into this year because I have some strategies and tools and things I've tried, and now I can go to a new campus and start fresh, um, kind of incorporating this stuff from the get-go. Not trying to figure it out, though. I'm, I'm always trying to figure it out, but kind of already kind of knowing what works and, and some of these strategies. So I'm really excited, and um, I'm just so grateful to you guys and to the whole craft and draft community. Um, you know, I don't feel alone in the struggle, and I really love that, that, you know, we got this and we're in it together. 
And I, I don't know, maybe that's a good end note that, you know, we got this. And um, we're here. The Craft and Draft community is here, I guess. The uh, Patreon community for sure. Right. Just to help each other because who knows? Each unit may be different. Each, you know, things come up that we don't know, but we can ask for help. You know, it's okay. And uh, that's finally what I did. Is I, I asked you guys for help and look what happened, you know, just from asking. I'm, I'm here in this weird dream state on, on the podcast now. I just, I don't know. It's so cool. Um, so you guys are awesome and thank you so much. Well, it was our pleasure. Like you, that is a perfect capstone. This is literally how we go. So thank you everyone for listening. I'm Jacob. That's Pam. And that is Courtney. And we are here for all of you. Hopefully you got something out of this. This was fun and exciting. Uh, and we, this is what we do. We love talking shop. So hopefully this helped you. If anyone has any questions, thoughts, concerns, you can always reach out. If you're a patron, you know, you get first dibs on questions anyway. So if y'all want some follow-ups as Pam and I do some more podcasts, send them our way. You know, we love answering questions. If you haven't already subscribe to the show, so you don't miss any episodes. We drop them every single Friday, uh, like clockwork. We've been rocking it for about two years. Really haven't missed a Friday. I don't think, but we're, we're keeping it going. Come back next week for another fantastic episode. And once again, shout out to our Patreon supporters and they are Tracy, Susan, Natalie, Lori, destiny, Melissa, Carol, Courtney, who is here, Rebecca, Amy, Mark, Leah, Brandy, and Alicia. Thank you guys for supporting us. You can go support us over there. You can find that link at craftofdraftworkshop.com. But ladies and gentlemen, know that we are here for you.